Listen, in my devotion time this past week, I read this. I read that the sermon is not for your entertainment. <laughs> Thank God, right? <laughs> it ain't very entertaining. The sermon is not for your entertainment. Let me tell you what the sermon's for. The sermon is for arming you with the truth. To give you a weapon to fight with the truth. Because you see, if God's people will live their lives according to the truth, then Satan will suffer many, many more big defeats. And that's certainly what we want. Now, last week we found God continuing to train up Gideon as a warrior. And as he did so, God commanded Gideon, listen to this, he commanded Gideon to destroy the altars to those false gods of Baal, but he told him to also build up the altar to the one and only true God, Jehovah. Amen. Can I tell you that that is exactly what God wants you to do with your life. He wants you to tear down those altars to false gods, and he wants you to build up your altar to Almighty God. Now, despite the dangers to his own life, Gideon passed that public test with flying colors. He did good. In that public test, we also learned an important lesson that we must live our Christian lives out in the open. Did y'all hear me? Y'all gonna need to help me preach, as Clinton Davidson said. Amen? If you hear me say something like that, you need to say amen. amen. That's what I'm talking about. God wants us to live our Christian lives out in the open. Amen? He wants us to live our Christian lives for all the world to see. Amen. amen. That's what I'm talking about. After Gideon showed this great bravery in this incredible public test, today we find that he shows a great lack of faith in a time of private testing. You know, sometimes for you and I, it's easy for us to put on this valiant public face. Amen? But sometimes, if we're honest, we struggle with being faithful in private. The same is true today in Gideon's life. Today we're going to see Gideon challenge people publicly to follow him into battle, but then we're going to see him challenge the very call of God in private. Gideon is courageous in public, but he's fearful in private. And as a result, Gideon has no peace. If you're looking for peace in your life, my brother or sister, make sure that you're courageous for God in public, but that you're faithful to God in private. Say it again. Amen. Amen. So as Gideon wavers between faith and fear, between fear and faith, 
There's somebody else we're going to see. We're going to see ourselves. Because we do the same thing. We're also going to see that peace comes when we humbly obey God and don't question what he tells us to do. So let's begin by witnessing Gideon's public faith. Now I'm in Gideon's chapter 6. It's on or about page 222, 223 in the Bibles in front of you. But I want you to see this for yourself. It's incredible how the world that Israel lived in is similar to the same world that we live in. And just like Israel failed, so do we. Right? It's this repetitive cycle of sin, repentance, and restoration. So you need to see this because it applies directly to you. Verse 33 of Judges chapter 6. Then all the Midianites and Amalekites and people of the east gathered together and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. The valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. That's good news, amen. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet, and the Abyssalites gathered behind him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh who gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, Naphtali, and they all came up to meet them. Boy, Gideon is jacked up. Gideon is energized. Gideon is excited after he tore down all those false god temples. And what is he doing now? He's calling God's people to gather together to fight back. Gather together to fight back. So let's consider Gideon's faith just for a moment. First of all, I want you to see that Gideon was faithful in the face of uh, Israel's enemies. This valley of Jezreel was the largest and most fertile valley in all of Israel. But for the past seven years, these Midianites and many, many others have been using Israel as their own private pantry. Whenever they got hungry, they just went to the cupboard over in the valley of Jezreel. They just would camp out on the border and they would wait for the harvest to come in and then they go plunging into Israel and they'd steal all their food. Steal their harvest. And that would leave Israel impoverished and literally on the brink of starvation. But not only did Gideon's faith enable him to face Israel's enemies, but Gideon was also faithful by engaging those enemies. Gideon's got some courage now. He's got some courage to do what no man has done in over seven years. Gideon places his hand on the trumpet and he licks his lips and he blows that trumpet and calls the people of God to war. But not only was Gideon faithful in the face of his enemies and engaging the enemies, Gideon was faithful because of God-supplied energy. Where in heaven's name did Gideon get the courage to call the whole nation to war. Well, we're told that God took control of Gideon. Amen? What would happen if God took control of you? Amen? What would happen if God took control of this church? If God took control of all the churches in our nation? What might happen? 
But God took control of Gideon and empowered him to sound this battle cry. And the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. This man blowing the trumpet, this man calling the whole nation to war is not the same man that we saw hiding a handful of wheat behind the wine press a couple weeks ago. No, that man was disheartened. That man was discouraged. That man was defeated. That man was full of doubt. But this man, this man is decisive. He's daring. He's defiant. And most of all, Gideon is determined to fight God's enemies. Something has happened. Something has happened to Gideon. The Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. What would happen, friend, if the Spirit of the Lord came upon you? So we know that Gideon had a personal encounter with the Lord of Peace back in verses 11 through 24. We know that he made a decisive commitment to the Lord of Peace in verses 25 through 32. But now we see that Gideon is under the control of the Spirit of God here in verse 34. Things are different. Something has happened. Can I tell you, friend, that when you have a show enough, say show enough. When I have a show enough encounter with the Lord of God Almighty, and when I choose to decisively submit to His will, my life is going to change. Your life will change. When God's Spirit controls you, when God's Spirit controls your life, He begins to change you inwardly. And as those inward changes begin to happen, then all of a sudden, that begins to manifest itself outwardly. And people begin to see the change. They begin to see that the Spirit is taking hold of your life. They begin to see godly living. They begin to see good works through your life because you know what Paul wrote to the Ephesians he said for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that you and I should walk in them so that's a reason and it's because of God's supplied energy but I also want you to see that Gideon's faith had a divine effect a divine effect when Gideon finally has the courage to engage the enemy, when he finally has the faith to submit to God, he sounds that battle trumpet and God's people begin to rally around him. Friend, can I tell you that's what will happen to you? It will. It will when you have the courage to fight back. When you have the faith to submit to God, people going to rally around you as you fight back against the enemy. You just never know, friend, what one little step of obedient faith will mean in, uh, from your life will mean for somebody else's life. One little step. You know, I don't believe that you can live for God without positively impacting your marriage. Y'all hear me? Well, let me know. Amen? I don't believe that you can live for God and not positively impact your marriage your family, your friends, your neighbors, even strangers. Heck, even enemies are going to see obedient faith in God and react accordingly. When you commit to follow God's will for your life, friend, 
even your brothers and sisters in Christ are going to be challenged to do the same. So never underestimate. Never underestimate how God uses you to touch others for his glory. You're always being watched. Friends, we're living in a time when it appears like the enemies of God far outnumber the, the people of God. And you want to know the reason that seems that way? Do you want to know the reason it seems that way? Say, yeah, brother, brother Bill, I know, I want to know. Amen. Amen. The reason it seems that way is because it is that way. The people of God are far outnumbered by the enemies of God. But we must never fear the power of the enemy. Instead, we must rest in the power of our great God. But this is an issue that Gideon had. He had an issue, a problem with this. Gideon seemed to have great faith in public. He had great faith on Sunday morning. Amen. But come Monday morning when it rolled around, he had great fears in private. Great problems with his faith in private. So let's talk about Gideon's private fears. Look in verse 36, and let's continue reading. And so Gideon said to God, first of all, it's pretty incredible that Gideon's got this one-on-one -on -one relationship with God that he just said to God, right? So Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand as you have said, y'all see a problem there? If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. That sounds like that encounter that the devil had with Eve in the garden, right? Did God really say that? That's what he was trying to tempt Eve with. Well, Gideon said it himself. If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, look, I shall put out a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only and it is dry on the ground all around, then I shall know. Not because you said it to me, but because you showed me. Then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand as you said. And it was so. And when he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, don't be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but on the, all the ground around it, let there be dew. And God did so that night, and there was dry on the fleece only, but dew on all the ground. So Gideon displayed this great courage in calling God's people to war. That was the public Gideon. Amen. That was the Gideon on Sunday morning. Amen. But in private, we see the doubt of Gideon on display. He's still filled with reservations concerning what God has called him to do. So let's you and I look at what Gideon did and why you and I should avoid it. First of all, we need to know that Gideon is controlled by doubts. You know, sometimes after the greatest victories in our life, we find ourselves beginning to fear 
defeat. Sometimes after the greatest victories, we fear great failure. Well, the key word in verse 36 is the word if. If. You see, God had already told Gideon repeatedly what he wanted him to do. In verse 12, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Remember that? And then in verse 14 he said, The Lord has turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours that you may save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And then in verse 16 he said, And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. But Gideon's doubts just won't let him trust God completely. He wants some kind of tangible proof that he can see. Gideon wants to walk by sight, not by faith. Gideon wants to believe his eyes, not believe his God. And so Gideon's doubts cause him to make demands. Gideon's doubts lead him to come up with a, a few choice tests for God. A few choice tests for God. Because he wants to find out if God really means what he says. Friend, does God really mean what he says? Or does he sometimes just joshing you? He means every word. It's the same satanic test that was given to Eve. Did God really say that? Did God really say you would die if you ate that fruit? Well, she learned that God wasn't joshing. Amen? So in the first test, Gideon places a sheepskin on the ground and ask the Lord to make the fleece wet with dew, but all the ground around it dry. And in the second test, he places that same sheepskin on the ground overnight, and he asks the Lord to make the fleece dry, but the ground all around it wet with dew. In both tests, God does exactly what Gideon asked him to do. But I want you to see that Gideon's doubts lead him in a new direction. Because apparently, he's satisfied now after the second test. He's satisfied because he doesn't question God again. And of course, he would have just, he would have just taken God at his word the first time. Then he would have arrived at the same place only two days earlier. Amen? But he didn't. And so he wasted precious time playing this fleece game. This fleece game with God. Now I'm sure that there are many people in this room who have sought peace in the fleece. I'm sure there are many people here today who have set up a test for the Lord. Lord, if you'll do this, I'll do that. You've dictated your terms. And you've expected God to do exactly what you've demanded. 
Today I want you to see that seeking peace in the fleece is not something that pleases God. Seeking peace in the fleece does not please God. So let me share a few problems with seeking peace in the fleece. And we're going to use Gideon as our example. First of all, notice that Gideon faced the same problems that all believers face in life. Every believer, including Gideon, faces disappointment, faces discouragement, faces defeat, and faces doubt. We're all the same. We're all part of this human family, and we all face these things. But what we have to do is learn to take God at his word. Tell me. Amen. We have to learn to take God at his word. God told Gideon exactly what he wanted done, but he wasn't willing to simply trust God by faith. God expects his people to walk in humble faith to his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. But when we seek a tangible sign, when we try to test God to determine his will instead of just taking him at his word, God is displeased. And I can't speak for you, but under no circumstances do I ever want to displease my Father in heaven. Hebrews 11:6, the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Paul goes further in Romans 14, 23, saying, whatever is not from faith is sin. Faith is important to the Father. Now, another problem in seeking peace in the fleece is that Gideon was dictating what God should do. Like God didn't know what he should do. Listen up, y'all. We don't tell God what to do. Amen? We just obey what he tells us to do. His thoughts are above our thoughts and his ways are above our ways. But Gideon learned that seeking a sign does not solve the problem. He still had doubts. He got a wet fleece that first time. And he still wasn't sure. He still had doubts. I mean, God told him what to do. God told him that he'd be with him. God told him that he'd be victorious. God even answered these two silly tests for him. I mean, at what point was Gideon going to be persuaded to do what God told him to do? Friend, at what point are you going to be persuaded to do what God has told you to do? I mean, after all that silly testing was gone, after it was all done, you know what Gideon had? He had what he started with. The promises of God. That's all he had. That's all he started with and that's all he ended with was the promises of God. When you and I seek peace in the fleece, when we try to set conditions for God to work, you're setting yourself up for doubts. For instance, what if you're trying to seek God's will in a matter and you begin to pray for something? And you pray and you tell God this. Lord, if this is your will, then let so-and-so call me by 7 o'clock p.m. today. 
sounds silly, but you've done it. Maybe not in those words. Lord, if this is your will, let so-and-so call me today by 7 o'clock p.m. today. Well, what if so-and-so calls at 7.01? Does that mean that God's saying no? Or does that mean that your clock is a minute fast? <laughs> True. What if so-and-so calls but calls at 6.59? Does that mean that God's saying yes to your test? Or does that mean that your clock's a little fast, a little slow? We don't know. You see, the problem with setting up tests for God, if you can't take God at his word, you ain't going to trust no fleece either. If you can't take God at his word, you're not going to trust some self-constructed test that you've given to God. Here's the problem. The real problem with putting out a fleece is that the fleece is always placed in doubt. The reason he put the fleece out there is because he didn't believe God's word. The reason we set up tests for God is because we don't really believe his word. A fleece is always placed in doubt and it's always placed as a lack of trust, not in faith. Putting out the fleece is not the biblical method for determining the will of God. Putting out a fleece is a method that people like Gideon use when they don't simply trust the word of God. Okay, okay, Bill, I get it. So how then does God guide us into his perfect will? Well, the Bible tells us exactly how the Lord leads, leads us to know his will. Number one, God guides through his spirit. You remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Number two, God guides us through his word. You grew up knowing Psalm 119.105 where the Bible says your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's how he guides you. Number three, God guides with his peace. Paul wrote to the Colossian believers saying, let the peace of God rule. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you are called in one body and be thankful. But God also guides through the desires that he gives us. God spoke to King David in Psalm 37. And David said, delight yourselves in the Lord. And when you do that, he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust also in him. He'll bring it to pass. And so God guides us through the desires that he gives. But finally, God also guides us through the godly counsel of his people. God says through King Solomon, where there is no counsel, people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So if you want guidance to know what God's will is for your life, God guides through his spirit, through his word, through his peace, through the desires he gives you, and through the godly counselors 
that he places in your path. Now listen, friend, while God did respond to Gideon's tests, it's not God's will that you should determine his will by seeking signs from the Lord. Did you know that even Gideon knew that? Even Gideon knew that what he was doing was wrong. Did you hear it there in verse 39? Gideon said to God, Don't be angry with me. I don't know about you, but I don't want to do anything where I'm going to anger God. Gideon said to God, Don't be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Gideon knew better. He knew he had no business testing God. You don't need a fleece, friend. You don't need a fleece to determine the will of God for your life. So forget the fleece and walk by faith. Say that with me. Forget the fleece and walk by faith. One more time. Forget the fleece and walk by faith. Amen. That's God's will for your life. We have something that Gideon didn't have. We have the completed word of God. We have the completed word of God. And God's will is that we take this word, we saturate our minds with the truths we find in it, and we begin to trust him and follow his lead for where he wants us. Friend, have you ever thought just for a second what might be accomplished for the glory of God if every believer simply did what God wanted him to do? Think about that just for a second. What if every believer worshiping in church this morning, what if every believer simply did what God has told him or her to do? What might be accomplished? I'll tell you what might be accomplished. There'd be infinitely more power in the church if we'd simply do what God told us to do countless souls would be saved if we would just do what God told us to do there would be more miraculous demonstrations of God's presence and God's power than you could ever imagine far more will be accomplished than the world has ever seen if God's people would simply take him at his word. So friend, where does this message find you this morning? Where does this message find you? Are you faithfully doing what the Lord has called you to do? Or are you holding back? Are you holding back just because you don't trust him. Is that why you're holding back? Because you just don't trust him? Do you look for signs? Or are you looking to take God at his word? Remember, friend, there is no peace in the fleece. God will tolerate your fleece He'll tolerate your testings, but he cherishes your faith. Friend, if God has spoken to you about your faith, if he's spoken to you about your life, 
If he's spoken to you about your peace or the lack thereof, I'm praying today that you will just let God have his way with your life. I pray that you'll follow his will, that you'll do it his way, and that it will be for his glory. Because if you do that, you will never be sorry. Friend, who would pray today? Who would pray today that we as God's people would grow in our faith and our trust in Him where we didn't need anything but His Word to tell us what to do? Who will pray today? Who will pray today? Come on, Brother James. Before Brother James prays, I want to remind you of a truth that you probably already know. But I pray that you really, really not only know it, but you understand it. Because over the next several years, friend, our satanically influenced, perverse, and corrupt government is going to try to impose its will on the church of God. It's coming. The government is going to try to impose its will on the church of God and on the people of God. They did it in Gideon's day and they're going to do it in our day. More than any other time in the history of the Lord's church or perhaps in the history of man, has there been a more important time for you and I to stand on the truth of God's Word? Are you hearing me, church? Amen. No greater time in the history of man where we should be standing on the Word of God. If we don't, we will not preserve Christianity for the future of our children. You can only look in the mirror, friend. Because what we do as individual members of the body, we do as a church. Brother James, you pray for me, brother. Dear Heavenly Father, as we gather here today and hear this word, let it sink in, Lord. Yes. Just Fill us with your spirit. Let us go out into the world mm -hmm. and show people what we're all about. Yes. Lord, let Christians all come together and fight for what is right. Mm -hmm. Lord, we want to pray for all the ones that's sick and the ones that's lost loved ones, the ones that's in the nursing homes. Lord, we pray for for healing offer comfort Lord we know that you know what's best for us and we just need to get it in our minds that you know us and we should know you yes Lord please be with each and every one of us as we part here today and and like I said go out into the world and show them what Christianity is all about 
all these things we ask in your son Jesus Christ's name. Amen.